Welcome to the Digital Euro Podcast by the Digital Euro Association. In this podcast, you will learn about the disruption of technology in the monetary and financial system. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Hi, my name is Oliver. I'm co-founder and CEO of Basenote, and I'm very happy that we are having this panel discussion today surrounding the topic of stablecoins. Before we introduce our panelists and before we start discussing, I would like to introduce myself a little bit and also how we came to the idea of having this panel. Um, the idea for my startup base note uh, came across when we tried paying freelancers that were in other parts of the world, so cross-border payments. Our current banking system is probably not made for all these payments um, being um, yeah, done on a broad scale from the emerging economy. and um, we then realized that this is a real issue to so many people. Um, Stablecoins and crypto tokens can be used to transfer money within minutes for a fraction of a cent um, through the blockchain networks that we have built. And this might change the way that we collaborate on a global scale. This is something that we want to discuss today. My startup base note is um, providing um, crypto invoicing and accounting. So if someone wants to receive his or her salary in the form of crypto tokens or stable coins, then uh, base note is a software that enables this for freelancers and small enterprises. Um, okay, but now enough about me. I would like to introduce you to our panelists. And I would say we start with um, Modupe. Um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing. Hello, everyone. So my name is Mudupe. I am the co-founder of um, a Web3 startup. So we're called Ecolance, and we're a training and a recruitment platform. And we're focused on countries from, you know, from, from the emerging countries. And so what we do is train them and then connect them to employers globally. So we're actually dealing with this situation right now where we need to think about how they're paid and they can receive their payments. Also, across Africa, I have several other efforts um, that help more women and people to work in blockchain. Hi, Very everybody. nice. Um, I think, uh, Sarah, you can continue. Oh, Brian, yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm yeah. Brian Becerra. I'm part of Being Crypto, lately a fellow on the Italebra Association. And I have some experience developing some payment gateway with crypto and glad to be here to contribute with the education of crypto. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And now, Sarah. Um, I'm Sarah Polarovic. I'm an executive director at the Digital Euro um, Association. And we at the DIA are, of course, um, always up to talk all things um, stablecoins and CBDC related. Um, this, is, this is what we do on a daily basis, monitor the developments and stablecoins actually being used because there's oftentimes a lot of talk about the future of payments. I think this is something, and Oliver, I'm going to put Brian, you can all agree here. I think that this is actually something we can see today day, um, not just stable coins, but more broadly speaking, um, crypto payments in general. Um, so very delighted to, to be here and hear about the firsthand experiences from you guys, especially. This is a very nice, um, very nice panel that we have here. People from three continents coming together to discuss borderless payments. I mean, that's really something. First, we want to dive in this topic. Maybe I can tell a little story how, how we got into it. So why would anyone want to receive their salary in crypto or more specifically in stablecoins? For us at Basenote, we are paying uh, some of our employees already in stablecoins. We're using our own software for that. 
And we interviewed these employees lately. Um, there was an article in Forbes um, that was um, yeah, telling the story of one of those um, developers that is, that, is, that is getting paid in stablecoins. And he described that he can even pay his rent in his home country, Nigeria, with uh, the help of, of these stablecoins. Um, if he cannot buy something directly with the stablecoins, then he will use yeah just the gift cards or he will like um yeah exchange these stable coins these virtual dollars into the currency of his country but he will only do so if it's really necessary um the reason might be high inflation in your local national currency or uh, lacking banking infrastructure so what are your thoughts about this and uh, to come back to the question why would anyone want to receive his or her salary in the form of crypto or in stable coins maybe um Sarah, can you uh, open the, the discussion? Yeah, I think the first thing I'd actually like to touch on here is the worker that you're talking about from Nigeria, because there we also have a CBDC launch in that country, which is quite interesting. And I'm not sure about the inflation rate in Nigeria right now, um, but in Venezuela, for example, we know since the 1970s, it's been somewhere Uh, around 3,700%, if I'm not mistaken. Nigeria must be a bit less here, um, but this really goes to show kind of what that means in terms of paying your rent in in the e-Naira or the, the Naira, if I'm not mistaken, that must be the, the currency then, if the CBDC is called e-Naira. So that's certainly um, very, very interesting to me coming from, as you said, Europe here. Um, I think for some people, the aspects why you would choose a crypto salary Uh, might be different from others, of course, and Mudup and Brian, you you will comment on this, um, but certainly transfers are or can be more efficient and cost effective since you're cutting out the intermediary financial institution. Um, it could be an investment with the potential for upside, possibly not right now in the current uh, market. If we would have had this talk a year ago, things might look a bit different than for, for tax reasons, for example, that could be another reason could make sense depending on whether it's seen as uh, as property or tax, for example, in the US under um, federal income tax or treated differently. That could uh, bring in bring a positive aspect to it. Then, of course, also you're voting with your wallet in a way when you have an emotional and political aspect in there almost doesn't seem the to be that case with um, the person you're paying per se, but this could be a reason. And then also if you're being paid in stable coins that can facilitate the track to converting it into crypto faster, of course, as well. Yeah, wow, you touched a lot of subjects there, even even taxation and all that. So I just looked it up. Uh, the official inflation rate in Nigeria is about 20%. And that's um, yeah a lot higher than here in, in, in Germany, for example, where I'm sitting. But um, so maybe these stable coins, I mean, they're mostly denominated in dollars or euros, so pretty strong currencies. Maybe they're giving the people the chance to actually accumulate wealth that uh, will not be inflated away so fast by the local government. But let's hear what Modupe has to say to this. Um, maybe you can share some experience. Yeah, I can think of two major reasons why I would choose my salaries in cryptos. Number one, the fees. So there's a lot of fees to pay when you use the traditional banking systems. You have to pay corresponding bank fees. You have to pay, you have to think about FX costs. You have to think about the fees for a particular scheme. Okay, so there's a scheme called like the mobile money. And if you want to use the mobile money to receive your payments, apart from paying all these other fees, the scheme itself has a fee attached to it. 
for the corresponding banks, you have to think about legal fees, you have to think about regulatory costs, compliance costs. There's so many fees to pay in between. And I remember once when I had to make a $50 payment, literally my charges were a little over $50 just to make a $50 payment. So 50, you see, this, this is one of the reasons why I would choose crypto salaries. They're cheaper, they're faster, which takes me to time. The second reason why I would choose crypto salaries, because then you also have to think about the time to, to fulfill all the regulatory requirements between the different jurisdictions. So I want to send money to someone in Ghana, which is still within Africa. And I have to think about you know, their own regulatory processes. The processes within the banks are not fully harmonized. The payment is slow. It could take two days. Um, the fastest you could get is maybe 24 hours. And we all know that that's not the same with cryptos. So these are two different reasons. First, why I'll choose crypto salaries. Yeah, yeah, very, very good insights. So your argument is basically that it's much cheaper and faster, which mm -hmm. is probably true in most cases, um, in my experience. Um, but maybe Brian, you have also some experience with with crypto salaries. I understood. What's your opinion about it? Yeah, well, well, I think we are made to move like nomads, digital nomads. Uh, so for me, I have been in Panama some months ago, and I I will move to Colombia in in one month. And will be a problem if I'm attached to some currency, you know, because there's some different jurisdictions, as Molupe well said. So receive like a stable coin for me is just have my own wallet and no dependence of where where am I. Maybe if you think about taxes, you, you can define, well, I'm resident of that country, so my taxes must go to that country. But there's a gray zone on South America, at least, that it's not defined how you will tax your stable coins. And also depends of what is your work. You could be trader, you could be just journalist, and you could be paid with something specific. So stable coins for me is like the best opportunity to uh, not depend from the faults of my, my own country, because as you say the inflation on my country is at least 5%, close to 6%, and it's estimated to end the year with 10%, almost 2x on inflation. And that will be a big dump on my salary, if you think in national currency. So get a stable coins for me makes me also uh, responsible of how my finances will go, because I can also trade or swap this uh, maybe dollar to euro or maybe to yuan or some other digital currency that will give me not only my full salary, but also inclusive a profit. So that's the opportunity for me that stablecoins give us not only faster and cheaper, but also the opportunity to not to get a benefit from the, <laughs> the inflation if you are well trained. So that's it's pretty awesome. And you can also develop your business because as startups like Basenote we have here, you, you cannot depend from the workers on your country. So you can give work to some other countries. I have been working with a Chilean friend and also with some Colombian Spanish friend and we made some project and all the salaries was with crypto and there was no problem for it. So yeah, that's... It's pretty awesome the gateway of opportunities that this technology bring us. 
Brian, I'd like to just comment on something that you said. I found that so interesting because from my perspective, if you say actually being paid in stable coins is protecting me from the inflation of the country that I'm currently in, to my ears, of course, that sounds very different because I'm not uh, currently getting paid in crypto nor stable coins. And I mean, we see the inflation in the eurozone um, somewhere around, was it 8% now, if I'm not mistaken, meaning um, that if I were paid in stable coins, it would be kind of the same how it's built on sand that I would be paid in right now as if I were just getting paid in euros. Um, but of course, if inflation is, is much higher than this and you see a foreign currency, say the US dollar, as you say, as um, the more secure safe haven, then from your perspective, that of course makes much more sense. And it's actually a way for you to preserve your wealth. So I just found that mind boggling how, how different the perspectives can be on this. Yeah, and definitely. And also if you are like uh, attending all the news.com, it's like I changed my stable coins to Yuan in some point of the history. And that gave me a big opportunity, like my salary growth <laughs> without they give me more money. So make that swap easy in the digital technology is a new opportunity also because if I do that in person, I will get a lot less money. I will also uh, maybe not trust the, the people that is giving me that currency because there are not a lot of currencies in the different countries. It's like in my country, you can't find the money of Nigeria for say something, but in digital world, you can find all the currencies. And that is also an opportunity. If the more you uh, study uh, of different currencies, the more opportunities you get with stablecoins. Yeah, quite some good insights. So I was wondering because someone in the chat just wrote the value of local currency is losing its value rapidly, hence to popular populace opting for stable coins and US dollar stable coins, especially. So um, if I look at um, coin market cap and I look at the top cryptocurrencies, I see that there are some very large companies that offer US dollar stable coins. And will this maybe lead to an even faster dollarization because local currencies are just not used anymore except for yeah when it's really absolutely necessary and yeah this this is something maybe maybe to think about and um how can so this is maybe something that that goes out to the to Sarah again because the digital euro association is i think also of course working on a on a euro stable coin maybe you have some some insights there or what is your opinion about uh, stable coins also driving dollarization because the dollar is just the king of fiat, right? And everyone wants it. Well, the question is to kind of turn it around. Is the lack of a euro stable coin the reason for the US dollarization? Um, because there's more US dollar stable coins. Or is it really Mika driving um, the dollarization forward, right? Mm -hmm. Because what we do see... Um, is of course that there is euro stable coins however they don't have a huge market cap for different reasons i mean one of them is circles europe for example that has one of the higher market shares when it comes to euro stable coins is actually um as of right now probably not nika compliant in terms of um the europe being issued as as a um money token from a private entity company thus it needs to be regulated under mika and there's actually a lot of, of strict um, compliances that they have to still look into when it comes into um, power within yeah the next couple of, of months and years. 
And then the stable coins that we do have within the Eurozone just don't have very high adoption because regulation and because obviously hindering um, that from happening on a broader scale. So I would definitely say that this is contributing towards the dollarization of the stablecoin space and essentially, in my opinion, um, also hurting the Eurozone and falling behind on this and keeps it from becoming the new yeah, reserve currency when it comes to or within the stablecoin space. That's my take on it. Interested to hear hearing uh, what you guys think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. It seems like Europe is falling behind once again a little bit um, due to uh, high regulations. But I mean, there are advantages and uh, disadvantages to regulations. But um, I hope we are not missing the train here. Modupe, do you think uh, so? You have experienced. Um, getting paid in in crypto and especially in, in stable coins and you are also educating people around the topic what are the things that you should keep in mind when choosing which token you are getting paid in like um, when i'm thinking of uh, for example terra luna there was also um, they had their own stable coin and it, it just crashed so how can i be sure that i'm like not taking too much risk uh, by getting paid in stable coins so how, how do people how do you educate people around this topic Okay, so what we do, normally we would ask which coins they prefer. So we don't make the recommendations on which they use. So they would tell you which they prefer, obviously, just so that they have like full responsibility for what they've chosen, whichever stable coin they've chosen to use. But with the issue, the situation around the Terra Luna, I personally never used it before, but mostly use the USDC and the USDT. And that has been most of my experience working with people. So making the decision um, has never been um, forcing people to use any particular one. So we ask them and then they make the decision on whichever one they want and hoping that they've done their research and they make their decisions. And then we pay them in using those the particular stable coin that they've chosen. And that's how it's worked so far. Also, I think there's that the more it has more acceptance, you know, like the USDC, the USDT, they're the most common ones, in my opinion. They're the most common ones, and most people use these ones anyway. So, yeah, these are the ones that we've used most often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for those insights. Um, we, we had another message uh, in the chat, uh, which says uh, the inflation in Ghana is currently over 33%. And sourcing physical hard currencies is getting difficult because of scarcity. There's huge demand for stable to save the value of their savings. Are we maybe letting people behind that are not really techies, that are not so savvy um, how to use a blockchain? I mean, using a wallet and um, holding your own coins is also a big responsibility, as we just uh, realized. I mean, you have to pick which stable coin you think is um, secure and it's your own responsibility to hold your keys and so on. How can we, so what needs to happen that we see a broader adoption of, of stable coins? Um, yeah, maybe um, who, who wants to who wants to take this on? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to say something on this as well. Yeah. I think one of the problems that we have um, in a country like mine, in Nigeria, there is a very high adoption for the use of cryptos. And that is because um, people are always looking for simpler ways to make payments, easier ways to receive payments. So um, thinking about the leaving people who are non-tech behind, we there's a lot of structure 
to study. So the, what, what people don't know about is blockchain, which is the technology behind the cryptos. But for most, um, a lot of people know about cryptos, how to use them. I would say right now, at least 10 to 15% of the population in Nigeria have wallets and they know, they know how to trade in crypto. They receive crypto, they send money to you know, different countries or receive money using cryptos. And you know, it happens like that as well. So I think that one of the problems that we have is acceptance. So people think you know, there's legal uncertainty, regulatory uncertainty. Um, most times the cryptos are associated with scams. You know? So these are challenges that we've been dealing with. And but that, so when people hear about the scams, it's now a bit difficult to convince them that the blockchain is safe. <laughs> So yeah, these are the challenges we deal with, but more often than not, the average person on the streets in my country, Nigeria, has heard about Bitcoin at least. Wow, <laughs> uh, that's a, that's in a stark contrast to to Germany. If I go down here on the streets in Berlin, I would say eighty five percent have never heard of it, or think it's a scam. I really like the aspect that Brian brought into the discussion earlier about being more mobile on a global scale, uh, being more like a digital nomad and not being dependent on one jurisdiction to live in and easily take your 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 wealth in your phone and just leave the country if um, if you see fit. Maybe, Brian, you can walk us through this process because I'm really curious, how does it work? Let's say you move to another country, you have your wallet. How do you buy things? Do you have like a crypto credit card or do you exchanges, uh, exchange it into the local currency? Maybe you can walk us through this a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Well, what's really interesting, the insights of Modube, uh, I wanted to add also that the lack of adoption of, of stable coins, at least in my country, to give you more perspective before we enter to this new new part is because there is no institutional reserve that backs this new technology. Also, the, our institution, the, the banks of Peru, they not trust because the cases like Luna, but also they understand that the technology is making a gap that they need to close. And this gap is following by the CBDCs, at least. They they are betting for CBDCs beside the stablecoins, but they understand that the stablecoins are growing like faster than anything that we see before. So in my, in my country, they want this UX experience easy. There, there's a, an app called Valora from Celo that you can send money just with the number of the phone. And that's all. You don't need even to understand what, what is crypto or what you need wallet. That's a first step that is working here. There are some cell ambassadors in my country that they are making this adoption more easy. That, that will be maybe some example of how you can drive better adoption. Now, going to your question. Thanks for it. It's pretty interesting. I managed to move from some different countries after study a lot, like this new technology, like Tower Bank, that gives you a debit card that is funded by your wallet, your crypto wallet, and how they make sure that it's not like maybe some wash trading money or, or something that needs to be regulated. They, they use KYC also, but you can uh, make 
like a document where you say where the money comes, like a traditional finance, but they use the technology as an advantage. So that's it. It's like no, uh, you are not separating the the two sides of the world. It's like tra traditional finance with this new kind of finance that that it's making this traditional finance evolve. So with this technology and all the partnerships they make on the financial system, it's like a simple bank that is connected with Visa gives you the opportunity to go anywhere that has Visa. So it's like no, no a new something. It's just use the old connections, but with this new technology, S simple as that. So I'm able like to move right now. I'm in Peru, but I will be in Colombia, and all my salary comes from crypto, by the way. And I I can buy things with crypto with some friends also like peer to peer. You you must to be connected with all the communities on crypto. Yeah, that that's a fact honestly. But also there are some new business like Crypto Avisos is an Argentinian uh, business leaded by Crypto Chica, that is a well-known representant of crypto in Latin America. And she made her, her startup that you can buy and sell anything with crypto. It, also, I would like to mention, maybe not a stable coin, but it's called Motif, an ONG that receives Bitcoin and they make a new pattern of money. If you think that as stablecoin, it works like the same. They buy and sell everything from the whole circle of economy. It's like the guys who gives you all this, the storage or whatever they need for the business, they receive crypto also. It's like from Bitcoin to Bitcoin or from stable to stable. So you feel all the circle. It's not like need to swap to other currency. Those little experiments, at least in my country, are making evolve the adoption. And also in some different countries, when you connect with the different communities, you can even pay uh, Airbnb because they understood the technology. So they knew the value, like maybe uh, $100 to 100 uh, USDT, USDC, or any stablecoin. So that that that's how it works, at least for me right now. But if you use these debit cards, like from Tower Bank, you can make it without, say, crypto. <laughs> it just use your card and debits from your wallet or from your crypto wallet. Mm -hmm, quite interesting. Um, I also tried a crypto credit card here in Germany from crypto.com and you basically exchange the token in the moment of payment. So you, you're holding, for example, dollar stable coins, but in the moment you pay it, then it's exchanged into whatever euros or local currency that you want to pay. And um, this this is quite interesting. So I just read in the in the chat that in Africa, 40% of all transactions are still settled in in the SWIFT system. So the, it's a US-based system. And this, of course, um, for once, um, yeah, gives the, the US uh, more power over, over the payments, even on another continent. And it also drives up uh, remittance fees. You were also mentioning CBDCs. Um, I think, um, so Sarah, maybe you can yeah tell us a little bit about what is your opinion about uh, CBDCs? Is it, are they the better stable coins in a way? 
Or um, why, why do we even need them if we have uh, Tether or US dollar coin? Well, the reason is, of course, because the central bank doesn't want to lose um, what they consider financial stability of their country, right, which is their task. So if they wouldn't launch a CBDC, I think there would be reason to worry um, on a certain scale, because then there's viably no competition in the market that could possibly take over. The question whether CBDCs are the better stable coins um, is a very rough one that is that I don't think you can answer for each country. There's no no one size um, fits all answer here. If we go back to asking that question to Brian, for example, I'm sure he would have a very different um, opinion on this potentially because of lack of trust in government, I could imagine. Brian, correct me if you're wrong. So this could be a big aspect yeah. for example yeah as she said it depends of the policies and the economy of your country that's also a base how develop uh, cbdc also uh, my country say that they are developing uh, cbdc and they are learning from india and china so that will take time but i I really think that CBDC is learning from the use cases of stablecoins because not even the lawyers know how to tax or regulate the, the stablecoin, especially in Latin, Latin America. It's like a gray zone where the innovation is growing faster as nothing else seen before. So from those use cases, all the developers of CBDCs are learning like how improve in those great parts or in those parts that it's difficult to go deep right so for me like the synthetic cbdc's if, if i'm maybe going too deep on this will be amazing because they will uh, eliminate the credit so that will make maybe make a stronger economy at least on my country from my side Uh, all right. So I think that will be a big opportunity on my country to improve on their own economy. But for that's basically coins, thrown both together, right? I mean, yeah. thrown in stable coins with CBDC is having a hybrid um, solution right there. And I agree. I would definitely say that that's uh, got some upward potential in um, certain countries. Um, the question is also about the backing. Right. So if you say something's um, central bank money backed versus it has to be backed by some other um, structure of, of backing, for example, the USDC um, right now is backed with US Treasury bonds and crash cash reserves, whereas a lot of the euro stable coins we actually see are euro backed because right now it's actually um, economical to uphold such a backing of, of that structure that if I'm not mistaken is also required um, under Mika to be um, highly cash cash backed, um, then depending on how much you trust in, in cash, stablecoin could be the better um, choice over CBDC. Again, how much trust do you place in the currency? Yeah, yeah, good, good insights. I think the huge selling point of, of CBDCs, and uh, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the, the huge selling point is that you basically have very minimized counterparty risk because the central bank is basically your 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 creditor in, in that sense. Um, in contrast to, I don't know, the Tether Corporation or something, some entity that is private and that you need to trust, right? So there's there's a big difference, right? There is, there is, and there's a difference, I guess, if you if you look at Russia, for example, now whether it's the central 
bank um, blocking operations in the RTGS system, so the real-time settlement across system, or whether it's a private entity company saying we're banning um, certain addresses coming from certain places. So I guess it also depends on the political situation uh, that you're in, whether you're going to go the CBDC route or the stablecoin route, depending on which path you can actually still take. So it's a really tough question to answer, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, quite interesting. Mm, I have another question from the audience um, for you, Sarah. Um, the question is, should CBDCs be available on decentralized exchanges? And as far as I understood, CBDCs need to be in their own network. So if I look at some stable coins like Tether, they are available on Ethereum, on Polygon, Binance Chain, you name it, right? All these networks. Um, but central bank digital currencies need to be more controlled, right? So yeah. can they participate actually in the in decentralized exchanges or in DeFi in general? Is that is that even possible then? Mm, as a disclaimer, um, I'm not the the person that's going to be able to tell you all about it. But from what I understand, basically, Oliver, it's right what you say, that there either needs to be some type of bridge. So either the central bank needs to enable um, the interoperability. But this is, of course, already a problem because even stable coins in one system are different from stable coins on another um, system. So even though they're issued by the same entity, they're using different blockchains um, they're not interoperable. And the same will be true for central bank digital currencies. I mean, some countries, as um, Brian actually said, they're quite inclined to DeFi. Some are not at all. Um, so therefore, you, you won't even be able to say that if a commercial bank issues a central bank digital currency with another, that this is going to be interoperable. So this will be quite a mess, to put it mildly. So in some way, you will have to have a representation um, something like a derivative um, in DeFi in order to, to put it on exchanges again, with the disclaimer that um, I'm open for, for corrections, I stand to be corrected by the audience or by, by you guys, if you have anything to say about it. Yeah, maybe sure. I, I could add some information to, to it about the CBDCs. Well, there, there's some different kind of CBDCs like retail and wholesale. And these retail could also consider not, not just the customers, but business to business. In that side of the this business case, we will say that in a future could be possible that those CBDCs go to, to some exchange, but that will need, or that will be necessary to get some clear regulations. So maybe not now, but in the future could be possible, at least how I see, according the BIS, the Bank International of Settlements said, so yeah, it could be possible because they don't want to um, be just the only one type of money. They want everything going all like as free market. And that's how they are learning to improve on this new kind of money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, quite, quite interesting. We have uh, one of our viewers who commented that he recently participated in a hackathon organized by the Central Bank of Nigeria developing the e-Naira. And um, yeah, Modupe, you are very close to people who are actually um, yeah using stable coins and maybe even CBDCs in the future to receive their their salary. Do you think there is? So let let me provoke you a little bit. Do you think there's even a need for e naira? Like who would prefer to hold the e naira against, let's say, a dollar stable coin? Is that is that even a use case? Um, maybe you can explain a little bit about that. Okay, so first of all, I think that person who participated 
in the hackathon, at least there's one of our students from Ecolands who participated and won the hackathon. So he's probably the one, I hope he is. <laughs> so, but <laughs> apart from that, the Inera, um, one of the reasons I was really excited about it when it was about to be launched was, and I actually wrote an article about this, you know, like Nigeria from cryptocurrency ban to um, CBDC creation in nine months. And I thought this was incredible. And I thought this would increase the adoption of the use of crypto cryptocurrencies and digital currencies, but that did not really happen. So do we really need an e-Naira? This is a country of nearly 200 million people. And adoption using use of the e-Naira is still less than I don't know, maybe 5% of the population. So even the people who use cryptocurrencies do not use the e-Naira. And the reason is it's still pegged to the Naira that is prone to infl inflation. So at the moment, it's still a poster of value. Um, we still can't do much with it. And I, I know one of the things that happened, you know, Sarah was talking about derivatives. So something that happened was one of the leaders of the, the first blockchain hub in Nigeria went ahead and wrapped the e-Naira. And I thought this was an interesting move because wrapping the e-Naira would give an opportunity for the wrapped e-Naira to be listed on exchanges and then people can actually trade between different countries and the Naira and the e-Naira. So I thought this would also you know, increase adoption, but there's still some regulatory issues to put in place before that goes mainstream. But yeah, um, do we really need the e-Naira? Everyone is still disrupting the payment system without the e-Naira at the moment. So mm -hmm. anyone wants to comment on that? Yeah, I would like to add something. That was really interesting because it's kind of the same inside from my country all the crypto people will not use some stable from my own country because they know some better options for say something but for the people that it's not crypto related i think it's the best option it's like if i say to my mom hey, you will use this that it's pretty easy it's like you use just a digital app to pay something if we not talk about crypto sometimes this way to communicate the technology makes this trouble or this wall because it's a wall of knowledge the, the people that it's not in this world think that oh i have to understand about exchanges wallets and everything but sometimes you just have to scan the qr and pay that's all that's all they need to know sometimes i think the the biggest problem on this adoption is the ux and education and i will put ux as first because when we use internet we use without even know how the some webs work and that's at least from countries like morupe and my country have the same insight but also the adoption of stablecoins makes grow faster the economy if you see brazil the real brazil they were able even to pump some different projects without use usdt or usdc so there was a big volume trading from brazil and their own currency moving the markets that was crazy i also saw the same with nigeria in binance like some months or maybe a year ago so that will give us like new data or new insights of how our countries are involved to this new technology. I think, yeah, 
own stable coins are an opportunity, but it depends on the policies and the economy and the trust. But yeah, it gives new door for for people that is new on this technology, especially the ones that are not involved, because they trust more on their own fiat or currency than crypto. Because the cases of Luna and all these things we we are looking. Yeah, yeah, it's basically a trade-off, right? I mean, you can either hold the local CBDC that will have a certain inflation, maybe 20, 30%, or you choose a stable coin that is a private company, but it's a US dollar with a yeah, very low inflation uh, for fiat money. But then you are basically exposed to the risks of this company um, going bankrupt or becoming insolvent. So um, yeah, it, it's always a trade-off, right? We are reading here in the chat that um, I, I like this topic going a little bit more in the CBDC direction. I think it's very related to stablecoins. So let's let's uh, have one more question in into that direction too. Someone in the chat wrote that uh, Binance and other big exchanges will probably allow people to buy crypto using CBDCs on their platform instead of regular uh, bank transactions. And this will drive CBDC adoption forward. So um, we have these industry leaders, these big ex exchanges, and um, I mean, if they drive the adoption, then basically it will, yeah, people will will use whatever is most convenient, right? Yeah, maybe someone wants to comment on that. Yeah, that would be very helpful for us in Nigeria, I would say, because that is the only way people would use more of the CBDCs. And that's because at the moment we trade on the exchanges using a peer-to-peer -peer system. So that's the only way we can receive our payments in fiat currencies in our own accounts because we use a peer-to-peer -peer system. So if there's the CBDC is incorporated in the exchange, it definitely will make it easier. It will increase the adoption and yeah, the trade will be um, faster. We use more CBDCs in Nigeria, at least I know. Yeah. yeah, I also think it's an interesting development um, there. I wasn't I wasn't aware. Now, the question is, of course, will the adoption of Binance um, cause the biggest shift here? I doubt it for once, but this is, of course, just symptomatic for what will happen in the future. I mean, if Binance is the first one to offer CBDC payments, then, of course, others, others will follow. I'm sure um, that's just how it goes here. And as this field is becoming more agnostic, the only question is really, is it easier for the user to then pay in CBDC depending on whether they have already, you know, a CBDC basically in their wallet or will it rather be the stable coin that they have because all of a sudden they start being paid in uh, in stable coins or do they still have the, let's let's call it the normal currency, the one that they're used to. I'm coming back to the example of, of people's moms, right? First of all, um, possibly they wouldn't even be uh, on Binance to begin with. But the question is, if it's as easy to convert from euro to um, a CBDC, then yes, I think this could um, actually foster adoption. If not, I think it's just adding another step of, of uncertainty. And if people, and I think this, uh, this can't be said enough, we are uh, in a bubble. And of course, people that are having an account with Binance, they are more inclined towards knowing about crypto and being informed, as Brian said, um, education is still a big topic. And then this will make a make a difference in the long run. I do I do think that. But with with having everything on demand right now when it comes to um, pay-per-use models, for example, or even being able to be paid for your working day after your working day, depending on how much you clocked. And this is certainly something that stable coins would be, uh, you can think of them as a way to making that happen, for example. So we think about work in general in a very different way. I don't see this type of innovation necessarily arriving with 
um, CBDCs because there's no businesses farming around CBDCs. Whereas with stable coins, you can, of course, imagine all different kinds of, of new uh, business models that come with it. So I think this new way of thinking would potentially still be better for people as compared to um, CBDCs. But still, of course, uh, to come back to the to the Binance news that's in the scope of, of what it stands for and the adoption, really good news. On that note, it's also important to say that welfare of a country um, and the consideration how much adoption is actually needed or desired for financial stability to be reached for a CBDC, first of all, depends on the country. Um, it depends on um, level of, of unemployment on a lot of factors, actually. And uh, Modupo, of course, uh, if you say 5%, I'm not sure that this is what the what your country is aiming for. It's probably a bit more. Um, but let's say over adoption is also actually a dangerous thing. Because then, since this is a pilot project, the question of the risk um, becoming too high is actually also rising, just to point that out too. Great. And there's um, something, you know, you were talking about moms being able to use the CBDCs. I think one that's one of the areas that the Nigerian ENIRA sort of covered. Um, hoping that we go through all the steps, because I know that there's supposed to be four levels of movement with the CBDCs. And at the moment, we have just started with the general adoption. But there's a point where um, even people in the markets are supposed to be able to use it. So the unbanked are supposed to be able to be onboarded on the CBDC platform and be able to use it. So even without a smartphone. Now there's a way we transfer money in Nigeria from bank to bank. And we have this um, the interbank, interbank settlement code that you could use on a phone that is not even smart. So with the CBDC, it's supposed to work that way as well to increase adoption. So people, regular people who don't even have smartphones should be able to use it. So hoping we get to that level with the adoption because we're still moving along the steps at the moment. So hoping we get to that level, um, it will also help increase adoption when people get to, um, people everywhere can use it as well. And it's easy to use as they currently also are able to access funds using this um, interbank settlement codes. So yeah, that's. Yeah, I, I would like to add that this adoption of CBDCs maybe would, will come from the institutions because the larger financial transfers are the, the ones that require most. And sometimes there's a li liquidity crisis or liquidity problems that could be fixed with the CBDCs. So, and we, we go back, if, if we uh, review our own conversation, that we are talking about CBDCs as dollar, if we <laughs> look as a simple sway. But the thing is, like uh, the technology of CBDC, of stablecoins, is like a free CBDC. And when this central bank comes as the support to secure that will not be a liquidity crisis or will not be a depair from the price of the own currencies. It's like the uh, natural evolution of this kind of money, at least how I see. And I think the, this driver of CBDCs will be this, the, this technology. And Ripple is doing something pretty interesting as, as kind of CBDC, but with their own tokens. Just to explain something pretty fast, they give uh, XRPs to institutions through uh, exchange 
and if the price goes back goes down or maybe up they just fix this volatility and adds whatever is required if it's required less money or more money just they fix it and you get whatever you send it's like a million dollars or two million dollars so they fix this liquidity because there is no cbdc at the moment but when the cbdc comes they will fix this and ripple will will support this just as the infrastructure you know so what is coming with CBDCs is a more trust on central banks because there is a part that is decentralized on the infrastructure, as we can say, XRP ledger, the blockchain that keeps support with the all 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 we understood uh, about blockchain that fix this trust. They are taking it and putting in this new model of CBDC. And that's what is trying to do the stablecoins. And that's why the stablecoins are seeking for regulations. So when they have their all these regulations and in, in, on different jurisdictions, the people will be more trust on these stablecoins. So we are on this kind of pilot or this driving to make it uh, a better technology you know, where we can trust at, at least at this moment. So what is happening is is needed to understood how design the future of money. Mm -hmm. Maybe Brian, we have so Brian, we have a uh, direct question to you. Do you think exchanges should be regulated like payment service providers and banks for cu uh, for customer deposit protection? So this is maybe related because you said okay, you're also using exchanges or maybe crypto credit cards, which are often linked to to fiat on ramps and to exchanges. Um, do you think we need more uh, customer protection there, more more regulation? That's a question yeah. from the audience. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was trader before to go deep on knowledge. So I will say as experienced trader, I'm able to watch some liquidity crisis and also some market manipulation. So when the institution is centralized, it always needs some regulations and protection for the customers. Maybe if we decentralize it, we will talk different, a different way to do it. No, but if, if we centralize it, we always come to this, um, how is named? This one, one, one big risk factor when something is corrupted, all the system goes down. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely we need some KYC, IML to make sure that the users are protected to maybe some bot trading. We on um, Crypto always uh, share this news and sometimes they got hacked or or some, yeah, single point of failure. <laughs> Thanks for pointing. That's the theory that we, all the crypto people we have like over, it's in code we trust because people always tend to be corrupted when they centralize it. So on exchange, the theory, goes on that way. So de definitely we need some help from the institutions and that's why we are running to spread knowledge for the institution join us to make it the things work. Okay, guys, uh, I think we should wrap it up. Uh, we have about uh, six or seven minutes left here in the panel. And um, to finish it, I want to give every one of you the opportunity to answer um, some question that I that I will um 
pose you and let me draw you a little picture. So we were talking about uh, CBDCs. We were talking about stable coins, crypto payments. What are the risks associated with it? What are the advantages and how is it maybe even liberating whole countries uh, by being able to save again and uh, not um, getting robbed by inflation? But let me draw you a picture. Let's say user adoption is driven mainly by UX and by, by the user experience. This is what we all agree on, I think. Um, this is the mom argument. Let's say private companies are usually better in designing user experience through trial and error than central banks. So maybe we are heading towards a world where everything is paid in dollar stable coins. Uh, we have a maximum dollarization. Most of the local currencies are not used anymore just for yeah, very short term holding or transactions. And um, I want to ask uh, every single one of you, if you like one or two minutes to answer, um, is that a world that you think we are heading for? And maybe you can also tell us one major advantage that stablecoin payments bring to the people and one major risk, in your opinion. I want um, Modupe to actually start with this, and then we just go through. Okay, so Anta, is that a world that we're heading to? I think so. But I think that adoption is going to be slow across the different continents. So it will happen faster in some places and slower in some other places. But hopefully, eventually, we'll get there. I think um, because the importance and the need for cross-border payments is now so important and that waiting for traditional payment systems and their infrastructure is just not um, it's just not adequate anymore. So especially if you're going to do anything globally, we would have to get to that point. So one major benefit is for remote working, for instance, which is one thing I'm really focused on at the moment, helping people from all over the world work whenever they want to, wherever they want to, and earn in, you know, in stable coins. So for me, that is a major reason, a major benefit to having stable coins and using stable coins. And the risk again is, um, I just say like saving the Terra Luna issue because it's a private company. And if once something goes wrong, then it affects the, the entire system everywhere. Um, so we just hope that doesn't happen. Mm, very good, yeah. Uh, Brian, you want to go next? Yeah, well, I, I still think that the stable coins not should be related just as to dollar. So if you think as a business developer and you want to start your startup or whatever, you probably will not pay on dollar. <laughs> that That's not what is supposed to be if you are in a country that is not dollarization. So I think that, that will be the first point to watch. On my country, at least, we have a new pen that it's a stable coin with our own local currency. And we use in some bars to pay, maybe you can pay up a burger or something, or beer. You are able to pay with this stable coin. And for me, it's pretty useful because in these kind of things, I don't want to pay with dollars, you know, the change, the exchange rate of that makes you pay more. So for me, that will be a point. And also for the local banks will be a point that you can't control anything. And you can't know how maybe the inflation will go if you don't know the transactions. So this dollarization, it's a big risk if we talk about liquidity because there's not enough liquidity in our countries that are not dollarized. It also gives too much power to USA. 
to make whatever they want to make with, with their own policy currency and we can do anything or give an opinion about it. So yeah, if we use stable coins, I, I will like add these kind of studies from the Italian Association that gives you uh, proper guidelines to understand how is the best things to do. That that will be uh, a disclaimer. No? If you want to use stable coins, go to these institutions and understand it well as a business developer. Yeah, that will be uh, a point. Thank you. And uh, lastly, Sarah. Yeah, thanks for the shout out, Brian, of course. <laughs> um, first of all, well, the question, are we headed into that direction? I don't think the entire world is. I think that question is underestimating the power of, for example, China. What they're actually doing is pegging the yuan loosely to the US dollar or to most of their um, export partners, actually. So what's happening is in, if they um, export a good, then they're not really at a risk of realizing a loss necessarily if they do export their products, for example. And the same obviously goes in the digital realm. So they have been doing this for quite a while. They've managed it quite well. Will they stop in the digital realm? I do not think so. I think they will highly check on what will be tradable within China. And that is simply due to the political climate there and the um, Chinese firewall, as it's also referred to, um, for one. Um, and that's this is just one example of how the dollarization of the world could be hampered a little bit. And another thing that's also, I think, important to note is that we, for example, are quite hesitant to have an over-dollarization um, as well. So to make a political statement unless it becomes legal tender um, in a country to pay in um, U.S. stable coins everywhere, which I find very unlikely. I mean, I do not think that on a European level we will ever decide this. And um, it's very unlikely unless it comes from the bottom up, basically, that this will ever become a reality. Yeah, unless it becomes introduced and kind of is forced on on people. But for example, for Brian, it would, of course, be nice to have, having to change from one currency um, to another when he moves to a different country to pick up work there. Those are my thoughts on a what I find a very hard question, actually. <laughs> yeah, the last question is always the hardest. And um, so maybe you can also share with us uh, a major risk and a major opportunity of using stable coins. Mm, major risk, I guess, for all those doing foreign exchange trading would, of course, be the loss of the diversity of currencies altogether in the world. And a uh, and a benefit, it's actually hard to think about because I think about a lot of the risks associated with it. Uh -huh. Yeah, maybe there are so many benefits that it's really hard uh, to, to pick one. Right? You know, okay, I'm going to go with, with <laughs> a very trivial one. Mm -hmm. If you're going on vacation, you're not necessarily going to have to get a credit card for it and pay for it because it's not accepted everywhere. You're just going to be able to pay with it everywhere. So the um, the agnostic of having a one currency union around the world, basically, that would be nice from a from a user experience again. Nice. Very, very good. Thank you so much to all the panelists. We've reached uh, the time. Um, you can reach out to Modupe from Ecolands, Brian from Being Crypto, and Sarah from the Digital Euro Association. Thank you so much for being here. And um, if you want to try getting paid in stable coins or other crypto tokens, you can check out basenote.io. It's a very nice invoicing tool and accounting tool. And um, yeah, I hope I see you all uh, another time in, an, in the next panel, maybe. 
and um, I wish you all a nice day. Thanks. It was a pleasure. <laughs>